And welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. If you're like me, there's obstacles in life that we have to overcome. But praise God, he has the answer for every problem. Everything we go through, he uses to perfect us, to conform us into the image of Christ. And the promises of God to the overcomer. And I trust through these broadcasts that you will be more and more able to live an overcoming life. And I'm still overcoming and will be overcoming till we enter eternity. Praise God. Well, let me pray and then we have a message. And then when I'm through teaching, you can call in if you'd like prayer. At the very end, you can call us at 646-595-4784. And don't forget to press 1. And I'll be happy to pray for you. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for that name that's above every name. We thank you that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord, we do confess you as Lord, and we ask tonight, Lord, through this broadcast, we ask you, God, to glorify yourself through the teaching. I call on you, Jesus Christ, in me, my hope of glory, to teach your people and to deliver and set free every person who will be listening to this message in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to cover every person who's listening with the blood of Jesus. I ask you to cover our president, Donald Trump, with the blood of Jesus. We hold the shield of faith over this program, over every listener, over our families over our president, over all of his allies, in Jesus' name. We pray a special covering of warrior angels over us to boomerang back on the enemy. Every curse and assignment, satanic ritual that's being spoken over us and our president, we break in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we thank you that a curse without a cause cannot light. We thank you for your promises of your word, and I ask you, Lord, that you make my words like goads, like well-driven nails given by you, Lord, the shepherd. And, Lord, I just pray that every life will be touched in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we've been raised to sit with you, Lord, in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. And we bind you, Satan, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places. In the name of Jesus, you will not hinder any person from the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. And I think I need to mention today is April the 16th, 2019, because you might listen to this message 20 years from now and hear a date where I'm going to be in another city and it wouldn't work. So bless the Lord. Well, the title of the message now is the law is for the lawless. And of course, the lawless is the rebellious. And uh, Proverbs 17:11 says, a rebellious man seeks only evil, so a cruel messenger will be sent against him. The scripture says that God has created the wicked to judge. They say sin in our life, and they have the legal right to move in on us. And so, um, so when we get into rebellion or we get in under uh, the law, then uh, we are in rebellion, and a, a cruel messenger is sent against us, and we know who the cruel messenger is. It's Satan and his demons. Um, 
And so the word law, biblical law, refers to the legal aspects of the Bible, the holy scriptures of Judaism and Christianity. Now, God wants us to obey his word. And when we violate his word, the Bible says the law is not made for a righteous man. When we violate God's law, then demons are executors of the law. And so, and so, um, Basically, the difference is, I mean, to maybe um, clear up confusion, is when we're under the Old Testament law, we have a set of rules and regulations that are we make. And, and we what we do is if we, for example, let me just use myself as an example. Years ago, I knew I was very, very self-righteous, but I didn't understand why. And what the Lord showed me, I listened to a message by a man named Peter Lord, Lord, and I don't know if he's still alive or not, but it was called Turkeys and Eagles. And so basically he was asking the question, if you could judge how righteous you would be uh, between one and ten, how righteous would you say you were? Well, I would have said, I was so self-righteous, I would have said, well, I'm a ten because I was very disciplined. And my image of what I had to do to be holy and righteous was I had to pray an hour a day. I had to read my Bible. I had to tithe. I had to go to church. I had to, had to, had to, all these things I had to do. Okay. And so what I learned through this message was if I'd have said I was a one, I would have still been self-righteous because I would be basing what I did according to the law. And God says the law is fulfilled when I walk in love. And so it says in uh, James chapter 4 that if that's our standard, um, then if we just violate one of those things, we're guilty of all of them. And see, on the days I did all my holy list, I was so self-righteous. Why isn't my husband doing this? Why isn't so-and-so reading the Bible? Why isn't? And see, if the day I missed one thing, I felt like a worm all day because I was basing my righteousness on the on my law or my image of what the law was. And so, but th- that's different from obeying the word of God. And, and hopefully in, as I teach this message, you'll understand why I'm saying that. And so first Timothy says, the law is not made for a righteous person. If you've got your Bibles, I appreciate it if you listen in, if you're able to read along with me because it's more powerful when you can see it in the Word. First Timothy 1.8 says, We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, <clears throat> realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are rebellious, lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and for the sinners, and for the unholy and the profane, and a profane person, is relating to or devoted to that which is uh, not according to the word of God. It's uh, like being devoted to being secular rather than being uh, religious. And it says for those, uh, so let me go back here. It says for the law, the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the, for the ungodly and for the sinners and for the unholy and for the profane. Uh, for those who kill their fathers and mothers for murderers. And, you know, the scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 4 that if we don't honor our father and mother, that uh, our life will not go well. You know, I can stop this message right now and say, where is your life not going well? And you could trace it back to violating that scripture. 
<clears throat> honoring your father and mother doesn't mean you have to like them. It doesn't mean you have to pattern your life after them, but it means you forgive them by sundown for their poor stewardship. And you have to remember, it helps you to forgive to know that your mother and father had mothers and fathers. And so we're a product of generational curses. But so, and we can murder with our mouth, dishonoring our mother and father by just speaking against them. Um, and so, um, so the law is not made for a righteous man. And let me explain. If I drive through, I live in Lindale, Texas. And if I drive through Lindale, Texas, and the speed limit is 60 miles an hour, if I drive 60 miles an hour, I'm not under the physical laws of Lindale, Texas. But if I drive 61 or above, then I can subject again to um, the law. And so it's the same with God. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not under the law unless I disobey it. And that's different from um, having this standard of rules and regulations that I have to keep putting me back under the Old Testament law. And so I'm only, I'm only um, not under the law when I am um, obeying the law. And, of course, as believers, we're saved by grace. We don't obey to be saved. We obey because we are saved. And so Galatians says, walk in the spirit and you will not, and you're not under the law. So you could say, if you don't walk in the spirit, you are under the law. Well, how do you walk in the spirit? You walk in the spirit by giving up your life by, and there's just other words for it, denying yourself, giving up your life. The other day I had someone ask me, what does it mean to give up your life? It means give up the things that you're trusting in. It means to to let go of everything that you're trusting in to make you happy. It means to give your life up to God. It means to surrender. It means to um, walk in the spirit, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow the Lord. And that means in every situation, you choose God's will over your will, his attitudes over your attitudes, his plans over your plans. Basically, it just surrender, give up your life. Let go of the things that are, are stressing you out. Um, in fact, if you uh, if you didn't hear the message I did, I believe it was last week or week before last of how to live a stress free stress free life. I encourage you to read that because or listen to that message because basically giving up your life is the key to uh, your anger, to your hurt, to your expectations, to your depression. It's trusting God with all your heart that he knows what you need, if you need it, and when you need it, when to give it to you. That's just putting your whole life in his hands. Galatians 5.16 says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the, the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for they are in opposition to one another, that you may not do the things you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So you could say if you're not being led by the spirit, you are under the law. And being led by the spirit means to continually be denying yourself, taking up your cross and following the Lord. It means to choose his word over what you think 
Now, today, I, I had gotten a refund from Lowe's to replace a warranty on a, on a dryer that didn't work. And they sent me, by mistake, $2,300. And I was thinking they were going to send me $267. And they sent me 300 I mean, I was thinking they were supposed to send me $267 because it was just an inexpensive dryer and that I could buy another dryer. Anyway, I didn't realize that it was that much to my secretary went to deposit it today. And I said, it's just a little check for $267. She said, oh, no, it's for 2300 and something. Now, your flesh would say, I'll just keep that. But God's law says that would be stealing. And so uh, because I'm not a thief and I want to obey God's word, it was easy for me to say, even though, you know, even though I, I, I was hoping they'd let me have it, not really. I knew they wouldn't because I knew that it was a mistake. But, you know, your flesh would say, well, just stick it in the bank account and just keep it and don't tell them. But choosing God's way means, no, I called them and I said, look, you sent me too much money. And so they tore it up and start over. So, you know, dying to your flesh means to choose God's way. Years ago, I went to a soccer game. Uh, with my grandson and afterwards I took him to um, Chili's for one of these chocolate moltens it's it's delicious if you've never had it it's like cake and it's got hot fudge on it and it's got ice cream and oh it's just wonderful and um, I said oh David I, I didn't get one because the Lord said no I said oh David my flesh is suffering and he said, well, and he was only about nine years old. He said, well, grandmother, if I didn't have this and I didn't, wasn't able to eat it, he said, my flesh would suffer too. And so suffering in the flesh is choosing God's way over your own way. And walking in the spirit means to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.18 says, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And I want to picture uh, maybe God, well, let me, I can illustrate that later. But um, it says, and so, of course, if, if, by, if by walking in the spirit, uh, your life will produce the character and nature of Jesus. And that's really the only thing he accepts. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control against such things there is no law now so when we're not walking in the spirit we don't have self-control but it is a fruit of the holy spirit which is the character and nature of jesus now if you pictured god's refuge like a big umbrella walking in the spirit would be to be under that umbrella under god's authority to abide in christ means to be surrendered it means to be under god's authority and when we are surrendered and we're under God's authority according to Psalms 91 it says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God will abide under the shadow and protection of the almighty side and I'm walking in the spirit when I'm under God's authority or I'm abiding in Christ is another way to say it and so when I step out from under that authority or out from under that umbrella I'm out in Satan's realm and out there I crave there is a law out there, but when I sur- surrender to God, deny myself, 
take up my cross, there is no law. I have self-control when I'm under God's authority, but I have no control. I'm out of control when I'm outside of God's authority. The Lord showed me this years ago when, you know, I had a weight problem as I was a child. In fact, my whole life, is, you know, I've had to battle with my weight. Thank God now at 80 years old, I believe uh, I've conquered it. And I believe after all these years of prayer, um, I'm getting the victory. But in earlier years, I remember when I was about 13, uh, my mother and father, my mother said, You're, I've heard of a diet pill doctor. I'm going to take you to this diet pill doctor. And uh, I said, I'm, do I have to have a shot? And she said, yes. And I said, I'm not going. And she said, well, yes, you are. Anyway, I ended up going. And that diet pill doctor got me addicted to diet pills. And this was back uh, from the time I was 13 till I probably about, uh, I don't know, 17 or 27 years, I was, adi- I was addicted to diet pills. And so, but what what the Lord showed me through this in, in my uh, quest to get delivered from this lifelong problem, this was one thing that God showed me, that when my mother took me out to the world for answers, she put me, uh, she put me out under the law. And all of those years, it caused me to crave. The scripture says that when I'm, the law causes and arouses in me sinful passions, and uh, and I'm not blaming my mother. She was, didn't know better. She was doing the best she could to help me. But for years and years, I had in my mind that I could never get free of that because I was put back under the law in that particular area. And so one of the steps in me getting free was to come back out, uh, come back under God's authority and under his control. And so when you do that... Um, uh, another example of thing that Lord showed me is one day I was making uh, fajitas and the Lord said, you can only have two. And I said, well, Lord, I want three. And the Lord said, no, two. And so anyway, I chose to have two. I chose to obey. And then one minute later, I didn't even want the third one. And what the Lord showed me is that uh, we struggle to obey God. But the minute we do, another law takes over in the life of Christ, the life of the spirit in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. It's kind of like a plane airplane taking off. The, the gravity is pulling that plane down. And it's like when a plane's taken off, it sounds like every screw in that plane is going to fly loose. But then when the plane gets to another uh, level, another law, which is the law of aerodynamics, takes over and pulls the plane upward. And so that's a picture when the minute I chose to obey God, another law took over and carried me above the temptation. But when I was struggling to obey, it was like the gravity was trying to pull me down uh, to go the, the way of the flesh. And so the fruit of the spirit produces self-control. And so this is, these are a couple of things that you have to deal with if you're trying to break an addiction. Because the law arouses in me sinful passions. Galatians uh, 5.23 says, back to the fruit of the Spirit. Well, let me back up. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so when we walk in the Spirit, our life produces the character and nature of Jesus. When we walk in the flesh, our life produces the character and nature of Satan because our flesh is alive. 
it says in Galatians 5.19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, which means sexual sin or fornication, impurity, sensuality, which means gratification of the senses, um, are the indulgence of the appetite, fleshly, uh, uh, fleshly, devoted to being preoccupied with um, the senses, appetite, um, deficient in moral and spiritual and intellectual interest, worldly, especially uh, ir- irreligious. And so that's what that word means. Uh, sensuality means and then it says another uh, continuing on in verse 20 idolatry that's to love something else more than you love Jesus basically it's any sin because first um, Samuel fifteen twenty three says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and all iniquity is as idolatry and then it mentions sorcery which that word means in the King James says witchcraft New American Standard says sorcery, and you look that word up in the Greek, it means pharmakia. It means um, a spell-giving potion. It means a pharmacist, a druggist. Uh, Enmities, which means deep-rooted hatred. It means strife. I mean, uh, this is another work of the flesh. Produces strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, which is discard. Uh, disunity and producing quarreling factions which means being contentious or self-seeking envying um, and you know I wondered uh, and really I asked the Lord when I was uh, studying this what's the difference between envy and jealousy I mean it seems like it's the same thing in a sense it is but the main difference between envy and jealousy is the envy is an emotion of of uh, coveting what someone else has in other words it's wanting what someone else has and where jealousy is emotion related to fear that something you have will be taken away from you so that's the difference between jealousy and envy and then it goes on to say drunkenness and there's a spiritual drunkenness and a physical drunkenness i've been drunk on food you can be drunk on drugs you can be drunk on alcohol and there's a spiritual drunkenness which is ravishing the church and they are, they are claiming that's the Holy Spirit, but it's really the unholy spirit. And so spiritual drunkenness or physical drunkenness uh, is a work of the flesh. Carousing, which means indulging in one's appetite excessively, and it could be food, drink, or many other things. And things like these. So this whole list of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's not a one-time sin. It's a practice, a a habit, a custom, or a lifestyle. And so walking in the spirit just means that I have to give up my life. It doesn't mean I go out and commit suicide. It means I give up um, the things I'm trusting in to trust God. You know, when Abraham took Isaac up the mountain, God told him to take his only son up the mountain and put a knife to him. Well, Abraham had been promised by God that through Isaac, he was going to be the father of many nations. 
And so he told his servants, my son and I, we're going to go up the mountain to worship and we'll return. So he knew even if he killed his son, he had so much faith in God. He knew that God was going to resurrect Isaac because he was going to be the father of nations through Isaac. So he goes up the mountain and just as he starts to kill his son, God says, no, no, now Abraham, now I know that you fear God. Now he could have said he had faith all day long. He until he obeyed, his faith really was worthless. And he wasn't trying to keep the law. He was just doing what God told him to do, which was keeping God's law. And so had Abraham not took his son up the mountain, he could have said he had faith all day long, but uh, he really wouldn't have had faith. And that really spoke to me recently when I was reading in James where it said that faith without works is dead. But also Abraham was justified by faith through his obedience. And so walking in the spirit is just to, uh, to let go of your life. Um, another way I illustrate walking in the spirit is that the scripture says that God's the potter and you're the clay. And my clay's a mess and so is yours. Our clay is full of junk. All the clay does is one thing is to yield to the potter. If you've ever watched a, a potter make um, um, things out of clay, um, in the olden days they had to dig the clay out of the out of the ground, and it had rocks and sticks and roots and everything else in it. And so that's a picture that our clay's full of junk. And so we yield to the potter with a, a clay full of junk. The pot, it's the potter's job to take the junk out. It's the potter's job to mold the clay, fashion the clay, shape it into the vessel that God created for you to be, to fire the clay, beat the bubbles out is the discipline. And so um, it's a picture to, it's really a picture of abiding in Christ, which means walking in the spirit, staying under God's authority, remaining. Uh, basically, it just means surrender. And if we're busy trying to turn the potter's wheel, we come back under the law. On the potter's wheel, there's no law. And and basically, it's the same thing as being under God's refuge. It's just a different way of saying it. And so other words for walking in the spirit is 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Arm yourself with the same purpose. For as Christ suffered in the flesh, so you suffer in the flesh. For in suffering, sin loses its power. And you know, when I back to the chocolate molten, my flesh suffered because I wanted the chocolate molten. My flesh suffered again when I wanted the third uh, fajita, and God said no. And so I'm learning more and more to surrender uh, these things to God because the minute you choose to obey, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus takes you above the temptation and you don't even want it anymore. And that's the self-control. But you have to give up your life to have it. Romans 12, 1, this is another way of saying it. Present your body to God as a living sacrifice. Another way of saying it is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God, according to Psalms 91. And there's lots of ways you can say it, but I'm going to give you the ones that came to my mind. Denying yourself, abiding in Christ. Um, the scripture says, whoever abides in me does not sin. It says that in First John. Uh, yielding your members to God as, an, as instruments of righteousness. Giving up your life is another way of saying it. And Paul said he died daily. 
I mean, it's minute by minute we have to die uh, to please God. And when we die to ourselves, then the life of Christ comes through, and it's his character and nature, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. You know, there's been times in my life when I was trying to love in the flesh, and I was trying to turn the potter's wheel. I'm going to love that person if it kills me. And that was all flesh. But when I choose to give up my life, then the love is produced, and it's his love, his joy, his peace, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his goodness, his faith, his meekness. And against such, there is no law. And can I tell you, when we stand before him in eternity, it's only what we do when we're dead to our flesh, producing the life of Christ in us that is going to not be burned up. Everything else, if you're like me, we've manifested Satan plenty times in our lifetime. Uh, Another way of saying it is decreasing that he might increase. Another way of saying it is suffering in the flesh. Uh, another way of saying it is walking the narrow way, and there's so many ways you could say it, but a picture of the potter's wheel is the same as a picture of the umbrella. Uh, this is just two ways of saying it. Um, and so when we're off the potter's wheel, there is a law. When we're on the potter's wheel, there's no law. When we're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God under his umbrella of protection, there is no law. When we step outside of it, there is a law. And demons are executors of God's law. When they see the sin in our life, they have the legal right to move in. And most of the time, people seeking deliverance think they have a demon problem when they really just have a God problem. And here's some things that we need to see about God's law. Obeying God's uh, word um, guarantees prosperity. And I mean... The scripture says in First, Third John, Beloved, I want above all that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So our soul will be, as our soul prospers, so does our health. And so does, um, you know, just having prosperity. And so if you're listening to me today and you've got physical problems, there's areas of your life where your soul needs to prosper. And I someone today and, and you know when you go the world's way they're just putting a band-aid on your spiritual problem and you look at the people that are trusting the world for answers you know by the time they're my age or even sooner they're being tortured by the medical profession and just getting a band-aid put on a spiritual problem and I give God the glory for teaching me to walk and live a life of repentance Am I perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, you know, when I first got saved, I thought I did God a favor. I was so self-righteous. But the more I've walked with God for 57 years, the more I wonder why he even saved me. And so, um, but I can tell you because of that, uh, I'm not going to the world for answers. I'm getting my answers from the great physician. The scripture says Christ in me is the hope of glory. And so t- today, as you listen, or tonight, how, whenever you're listening, I pray the Christ in me will touch your life right now. The Christ in me will deliver you and set you free. Because I choose for death to work in me so that life works in you. Psalms, um, Psalms 1 verse 2 says, 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. I like what the real old, and there's a new modern version of the Living Bible, but I used to have the, the first Living Bible that came out, and it, and it went something like this. How blessed is the man, this is Psalms 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set in the seat of scorners uh, or stand in the place of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And day and night he meditates on God's law and thinks about ways to follow him more closely. He will be like a tree planted along the riverbank, always bearing luscious fruit each season without fail. And his leaf will never wither, and everything he does will prosper. And so God promises us prosperity when we delight in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord restores our soul and makes wise the simple. Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And it goes on, but I didn't type the rest of the the passage but it will bless you to read it and then when the law of the lord is in our heart our feet will not slip and this was something i was thinking of when i my feet slipped two or three times this year and praise god i'm recovered but um, it wasn't easy there for a while and so i had to know you know the bible says pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction so i just repented over all the scriptures on pride because if pride goes before a fall and i fell there had to be pride in fact you know every problem you have you'll find in the word of god the answer i mean you'll find the answer in in god's word because the scripture says he sent his word to heal you jesus is the word of god And those who are listening, if you don't love the word of God, I doubt that you really love Jesus because he is the word of God. Psalm 37, 31 says the law of God is in his heart and in his steps do not slip. And then God commands us to teach our children his law. Psalm 78, verse 5, it says, for he established the testimony, pointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. Have you taught the word of God to your children? If you haven't, it's not too late. it's, It's not too late. And if you don't have, if your children are grown, you can teach it to your grandchildren. And then the children of Israel were, destroyed in the wilderness because they rebelled and read psalms 78 i'm not going i'm just going to read one scripture from that passage but read the whole chapter and see the destruction that came on israel because they disobeyed god's law it says they did not in in verse 10 says they did not keep his covenant the covenant of god and they refused to walk in his law and of course his covenant today we keep his covenant today through loving the lord with all of our heart mind soul and body and our neighbor as ourself. And love fulfills God's law. Um, God uses the rod on our children when they forsake God's law. If you're in covenant with God, there is a promise that God has given you and I. If we're in covenant with God, if we're walking in obedience to the Lord, and this was a promise that I held on to when my son for 20 years lived a homosexual lifestyle, it says, 
God, so God uses the rod on our children. And in Psalms uh, 89, 30 says, if his sons or your sons and you're in covenant with God forsake my law and do not walk in my commandment, my judgment, he says, I'll visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquities with stripes, but I will not deal faithlessly with my covenant to you. So I hung on to that scripture and praise God, my son's in heaven today. But you know what the rod was in his life was uh, AIDS. God used AIDS to bring this boy to salvation and to repentance. And, you know, he even knew when he was 16 years old, I took him to a counselor in Colorado, and he even knew what die to your flesh meant when he was 16 years old. So he knew the word. He was taught the word of God. And I remember when he got out of, he had been in intensive care in Baylor Hospital in Dallas for about two weeks. And when he finally got out of the hospital, he was laying on his couch and he put his hand on his head. He said, oh, why do I have to go through this? And then he said, oh, I know, the wages of sin is death. And that's it. Demons are executors of God's law. And when we violate God's law, my old friend Milton Green used to say, sick them. He puts the heads down and it's sick them. And then we're blessed when we learn from God's chastening. You know, we learn so much. I, God, I'm so thankful for his discipline and for his chastening. Uh, about three or four years ago, God moved my cousin here and her and I grew up together and She's got a sense of humor that causes you to laugh when maybe you shouldn't laugh. And so for about this past year, I've just almost had like a sinus infection or a, um, a, a cough, nothing serious, not really sick, but I knew that it wasn't right. It was sin. And so recently, if you've listened to Dorothy, I taught on the tongue. And since that message, I've been really watching my tongue, her and I both. And you know that uh, I haven't had one problem with that anymore because your words have to do with upper respiratory. You sin with your mouth. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my mouth has been my undoing. But praise God, he's teaching me to guard my words. Okay, Psalms 94 verse 8, 12 said, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O God and whom you teach out of your law. And, you know, if the law had not come, you would not have known what sin was. So we have to know what sin is so we can obey. Psalms 119 verse 1 said, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed. So blessings are promised. And we need God to open our eyes so we can understand his words. Psalms 119, 18 says, Open my eyes that I might behold the wonderful things in your law. So I need my eyes open and you need your eyes open. And then the wicked forsake God. Psalms 119:53 says, Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake your law. And regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you go through, you and I are never to forsake God's law. And God is not pleased when we compromise um, 
He he doesn't want us compromised, and we're living in a world that if we compromise, it could get us killed. Psalms one nineteen sixty one says, "The cards of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law." There's been times in my life when I was so grieved and my heart was so broke. Uh, for 20 years, I prayed for this son, Lord, whatever it takes, just don't let him go to hell. And I'd be so grieved. And I tell you, I just saturated, my, saturated myself in the word of God. I tell you, had it not been for God's word, I would have perished in my affliction. And this is a scripture that says in Psalms 119.92, if your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. And I want to ask you a question. Is God's law your delight? Make it your delight if it isn't. If you don't have a desire for the word of God, that usually goes back to not liking your daddy's word or rejecting your father's word. But God's, you know, we're living for eternity. I hope you're living for eternity and not for the nasty now and now. I'm living I'm living for eternity. And all of us should be living for eternity because that's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I was reading Revelation the other day and one of the judgments that the angels poured out and I was just really thinking this really hit me. The wind will not blow in the sea or the ocean. Uh, are the rivers, the wind will not blow in the trees or on the land. There'll be no wind. Can you imagine when judgment hits this country when there's no wind? (laughs) And that was just one of the judgments. Another angel pours out the plague. Another angel pours out a food shortage, uh, all kinds of calamities on the earth. Um, The mountains are destroyed. And then then it says, but yet men would not repent. They blasphemed God. My young, my youngest son, when I was going to spank him, he said, oh, no, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. In other words, <laughs> repent now before it's too late. And then his law is truth. Psalms 119.42. It says, our righteousness is as an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. In fact, Jesus is the the word of truth. He's the word of God. The scripture says that Jesus is the word, uh, truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. And when we love God's law, we will not stumble in life. Psalms 119, 165 says, Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. People who forsake the law praise the wicked. If you listen to how some of these evil politicians, how they're constantly taken up for evil instead of taken up for what's good, and the ones taken up for what's good um, are attacked by the ones that praise the wicked. Proverbs 28 verse 4 says, Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, and those who keep the law strive with them. Keeping God's law, it guarantees us to have discernment. And discernment is lacking today in the body of Christ because repentance is not taught in most churches. And that's sad. The condition of the church in America is pathetic. Psalms 28.7 says, 
he who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. Refusing to obey the word of God makes your prayers an abomination. Proverbs twenty eight nine says, He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Keeping God's law guarantees happiness. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, the law. And Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. In Matthew 5, it says, if anyone teaches that the Old Testament is not for today, that he'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said he didn't come. In Matthew 5, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And so he fulfills it another way. Now, the the law to keep God's commandments and covenant is to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 5:17 says, "Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the or the peoples. I did not come to abolish it, but fulfill it." And then love is the what love fulfills the law. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, "Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love is not rude, love does not seek its own way, love does not act unbecomingly, love forgives." And it goes on to say, "Love never fails." Now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Matthew twenty two thirty six. Someone says, Teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? Um ten twenty I'm sorry, ten twenty six says and he said to him, and this is when the, the, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, How must I be saved? And he said to him, What does it say in the law? And the, and the young ruler answered, it says, to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your body, all your spirit. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and live. In other words, do, the, do this and you'll have eternal life. How do we do it? We die to Jerry McGee and you die to yourself. My, I used to have a, a pastor friend that mentored me and he said, Jesus wants to walk around in your body and act like who he is. When you're acting like who you are, he can't act like who he is. So Christ in me is the hope of glory. For me to let him out, to be who he wants to be, to be manifested in me, I have to die to me. And so do you. And only doers of the law are justified before God. Uh, Romans 2.13, it says, For it's not the hearers of the law, that are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. And I want to just refer to James 4 again. When you're under, when you have a standard of, of what you think that the law should be, if you're, if you're trying to be righteous by what you do, then if you have 10 things that you think you have to do to be righteous, you have to do all 10, which is impossible. You miss one. And you're guilty of all of them. It says that in James 4. And so when I violate God's law, it causes me to have a condemned conscience. Uh, The scripture says in Romans 8, 1, For there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the spirit 
and not after the flesh. That that scripture that after the flesh is left out of most modern translations. Most modern translations says uh, there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Well, that's heresy. The truth translation we find in the King James says to walk according to the spirit and not the flesh. Romans 2.15 says, in that these show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or defending them. And the law speaks to those who are under the law, not to those who are obedient to God's law. Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed and that the world may become accountable to God. And of course, we can't be justified by the works of the law. God's not pleased by anything we do in the flesh. We're justified by faith. We're, we don't say we're, we're saved by grace. But if we're saved, we obey. Obedience is a fruit of salvation. Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith and from works of the law. And, of course, I used, I used Abraham earlier because Abraham was justified by his faith because he took his only son up the mountain. So basically, you could say faith is obedience. I hope this is, um, um, Lord, I ask you that you make this clear, but give a clear distinction between trying to keep uh, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, which is to love you, Lord, with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body, and our neighbors, ourselves. So believers are not under the law, but they're under grace. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be masters over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Romans 6.15 says, What what then shall we sin because we're not under law, but are under grace? May it never be. And the law has jurisdiction over us as long as we're alive. As long as we're, when I say alive, as long as our flesh is alive. Romans 7, 1 says, Or do you not know, brethren? For I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over someone, a person, as long as he lives. For the married woman, and a lot of times people take this passage to mean marriage, but it's talking about our marriage to Christ. It says, For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she's not under the law concerning the husband so then if while the her husband is living she's joined to another man she shall be called an adulteress but if her husband dies she shall be free from the law so that so that she is not under not an adulteress though she is joined to another man therefore my brethren you also were made to die to the law through the body of christ so that you might be joined to another Jesus to him who has raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God John 12:24 says unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies it abides alone 
But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So the flesh arouses in me sinful passions. Romans 7, 5. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members of body to bear fruit for death. And the law of the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. And we can never please God in the flesh. It's only what we do when we're dead to ourselves that's produced by Christ in us that, that won't be burned up on judgment day. And if we're trying to be justified by our works, we're under a witchcraft curse. Galatians 3, 2 says, this is the only thing I want from you. Did you receive the spirit through the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It goes on to say, um, let me see here. It says, did you receive Christ that you go in and try to perfect yourself or be, I'm paraphrasing, be, be perfected by the flesh? Galatians 3.10 says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curses everyone who does not abide by all things written in this book of the law to perform them. And then it goes on to say that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the royal law is to love. James 2.8 says, if, 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 however, you're fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Speak against one another, and this should be sobering to all of us because we've all committed this sin. We judge the law. James 4.11 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother judge, or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. I have been a judge of it. So, Lord, forgive me and ask God to forgive you if you have too. So it's only by walking in the spirit that you, are not, you and I are not under the law. And back to the speed illustration, when you drive through your city, if you keep the speed limit, you're not under the laws of that city, but you break that law by exceeding the speed limit. You come back under the laws of that city, and it's the same with God. You're not under the law until you disobey it. So I want to pray with you, and I just trust that God's going to use this in your life if you um, just, you know, you don't have to turn the potter's wheel anymore because that's put you back under the law. Just surrender, and it's God's job to take the junk out. It's his job to <clears throat> to perfect you. Uh, it's his job to see to it that, you fulfill the purpose of your creation. And if you just stay yielded to God on his potter's wheel, can't miss God, and you will fulfill the purpose of your creation. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, just pray with me if you can agree with this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me for being legalistic. Forgive me for trying to turn the potter's wheel. Forgive me for having this image of what I think is perfect. Father, I ask you to forgive me for not walking in the spirit. God, forgive me for <clears throat> not arming myself with the same purpose. For as you suffered in the crack, flesh, so 
forgive me for not being willing to suffer in the flesh. Lord, forgive me for not wanting to suffer. Forgive me for being alive to my flesh. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for um, rebellion. Forgive me for legalism. Forgive me for having this image of what I think I have to be to be holy. Lord, it's all a work of, of, of the law of the Pharisees. Forgive me for being a Pharisee. Forgive me for self-righteousness. Lord, forgive me for not being willing to submit to you. I present my body to you as a living sacrifice. Forgive me for my sin in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, forgive me for thinking that I have to turn the potter's wheel. I forgive my mother and father for loving me based on my performance. Forgive me for not honoring my mother and father. Forgive me for... Um, forgive me for not uh, walking in the spirit forgive me for striving fretting stewing forgive me for anxiety tension stress nervousness forgive me for for for, uh, living after the flesh and producing the works of the flesh father forgive me for sorcery forgive me for pharmacia Lord, forgive me for um, being sexually immoral. Forgive me for homosexuality if I've been into that. Forgive me for kidnapping, uh, for being a liar, for swearing falsely under oath. Lord, you said the law is not made for a righteous man, but for kidnappers and liars and perjurers swearing under oath falsely. Forgive me, Lord. For whatever else is contrary to to sound teaching, in, in fact, any sin. Lord, forgive me for advocating a different doctrine that doesn't conform to the sound words of Jesus, the doctrine conforming to me, godliness. Forgive me for being conceding, conceited and understanding nothing and having a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about um, words which are, end in envy and strife and abusive language and evil suspicion. Forgive me for contention and strife and opposing the truth, not loving the truth. Lord, give me a love in my heart for the truth. Forgive me for not being contented, for you said that that godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Forgive me for the love of money, trying to get rich, Forgive me for being dissatisfied and discontented. God, I ask you to forgive me for uh, allowing Satan to produce his character in me. Forgive me for for um, sensuality, gratifying my senses and indulging myself, my appetites fleshly devoted uh preoccupied with myself forgive me lord for gluttony worldly desires idolatry sorcery enmity strife uh deep-seated hatred forgive me lord for outbursts of anger and jealousy being fearful that i'm going to lose what i have are fearful that I'm going to lose my place. Forgive me for anger and disputes and dissensions, discord, um, 
disunity, quarreling, factions, being contentious and self-seeking. Forgive me for envy, Lord, and forgive me, Lord, for um, covetousness, drunkenness, spiritual drunkenness, physical drunkenness, drunk on food, drunk on alcohol, drunk on drugs. Forgive me for carousing, indulging in one's appetites excessively, Lord, through food, drink, and other things, drugs. Forgive me for practicing these things. Lord, I choose to dwell in your secret place, under your umbrella of protection, and on your potter's wheel. You're the potter and I'm the clay. Lord, I'm tired of trying to turn the potter's wheel. I just yield to you. I stay under your authority, Lord. Forgive me for not being willing to deny myself. Forgive me for not yielding my members as instruments of righteousness. Forgive me for loving my life too much and holding on to it. God, teach me how to walk in repentance. Teach me to decrease that you might increase. Teach me, Lord, to be willing to suffer in the flesh and to walk the narrow way. Forgive me for rebellion, which would cause you to send a cruel messenger against me. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I repent of my sin. If I've never been born again, I invite you to take my life over. I surrender to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I present my body to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. I offer up to you my members as instruments of righteousness. I remove vexation from my heart so I can put pain out of my body. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of every demonic spirit, and I command you to leave every person who prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. I command you to go in Jesus' name. The word spirit means breath, so take a deep breath and blow out in Jesus' name. Praise you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. Pour it out upon every life. Heal every person. Set free every person who's listening from the works of the law in the name, power, blood, and authority of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you for what you've done in my life. In Jesus' name, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, if anyone needs prayer, you can call in at 646-595-4784. And don't forget to press 1. I'll be happy to pray with you. You don't have to give your name unless you want to. Because God knows who we you do are. have a caller already, Jerry. We have a caller. Oh, okay. And they've been waiting patiently for you to come to the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Area <laughs> code eight one four. Your mic is open. Uh, hello, hello, this is Greg from Pennsylvania. Hi. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? I'm going to be in Pennsylvania in September. Oh, okay. I'll check on uh, your there's website. A, uh, yeah, there'll be the. Uh, it's not on the website yet. You got a pen? I'll give you the contact number if you want it. Okay. I don't know the town. The contact number is seven one seven three five zero one five zero six. How can okay, I help I you, it. Greg? Yeah, great message. Uh, what really got to me though was about the words. Now, I do a lot of self deliverance. But uh-huh. for some reason, I completely missed my mouth, you know, with all that well, stuff. Well, I know. 
All of and, us have. We've all got a hoof mouth and disease. <laughs> How you say it? Hoof, hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> it comes amen. out of the heart. I I encourage you. Did you hear the message I did on things we need to see about our tongue? No. You, uh, you can go in, go into Dorothy's archives, and you can listen to that message. You'll get great deliverance. It's really changed my life, and I was teaching. And I think what sometimes what you teach is what God's trying to deal with you. But uh, our words come. The words we speak. Listen to what comes out your mouth because it it was something planted down in your heart, either through generational iniquities of the forefathers, words that were spoken over you, sins that you committed our sins that committed against you. We don't remember everything that, you know, our heart is our spiritual garden and there's things, words are seeds. The word of God is seed and things have been planted down in your spiritual garden and it's producing the fruit of whatever you say. If it's perverted words, then you know that there's been perversion someplace back in your lifetime or even listening to movies. I mean, you can never have an evil thought and listen to some of these movies, take God's name in vain, and all of a sudden you're thinking the same words you've been hearing because those seeds have been planted in your heart. Listen to that message because there's deliverance prayers too. Listen to the message, and when you see that what's in the heart comes out the mouth. I mean, of course, okay. your heart's your spiritual garden, and what's in the heart comes up in your thought life. And what I do is when I have a thought that doesn't line up with the Word of God, you know, God tells me to take my thoughts captive. Well, you can't do that until you find out how I got there. So let's say and say, Lord, how'd that get there? And then repent. (laughs) Jeremiah 1 says, pull down, uproot, and pluck out, and then plant and rebuild. So I'll pray. Let me just pray for you. You listen to that message and then do the deliverance and then call me if there's, you know, if I can help you or email me and I'll answer my email is uh, Jerry McGee at sbcglobal.net. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net, and I'll answer you. Okay. Thank you. And uh, let me pray for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for Greg. I thank you that he he's walking re- in repentance, but, Lord, he, like myself, has had a mouth problem. We all have. And so, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch his life. I pray, Lord, that you show him how to take his thoughts captive. Lord, make him mindful of what he says and what he thinks and help him take his thoughts captive. Lord, you said the tongue, no one can tame it. But, Lord, you can tame our heart through repentance, and then that changes our words. Because when our heart's pure, our words will be pure. When our heart's pure, our thoughts will be pure. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us an answer to every problem. I ask you to bless his life. I ask you to encourage him. I ask you to move mightily upon his life, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, listen to that. Listen to the teaching on the tongue. Okay. Uh, I'll download that tonight. Okay, thank you. Okay, do that. God bless you, and if I can help you, email me. Okay. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Okay, uh, while I'm waiting, if anyone else wants to call, um, we're on uh, Blog Talk Radio the first and third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. 
If you want to write us, you can write us at Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771. Um, my website is jerrymcgee.com. It's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com. And there's uh, books you can order. There's CDs you can order. There's, goodness, at least 100 free CDs you can listen to uh, with deliverance prayers. Um, I encourage you. There's Clearing the Land. <clears throat> it was written in 1985. And you can go through that book and it lists all the Bible curses and prayers to break curses because all of us, it lists all the Bible curses. And I've had people tell me they actually get delivered just listening. I mean, just going through the book. And it's only about 27 pages, something like that. It's not real big. There's also a book called Drunkenness. Is it a blessing, a curse? And through that book, I list all the the scriptures on drunk, drunken, sober, alert to show you there's not one scripture in there that would uh, substantiate uh, drunkenness, spiritual drunkenness. God tells us to be sober for the purpose of prayer. Um, if you'd like to schedule a meeting in your area, you can you can uh, email me at uh, Jerry McGee at sbcglobal.net. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. Um, I'm in Duncanville, the Duncanville, Texas, the first uh, Saturday of each month. We meet from 10 to 1, and um, it's free to come. It's just a small um, little meeting where uh, we minister to people, but we have maybe a a teaching. Uh, Well, we for sure have a teaching, just one teaching. I used to do 40 hours of this, but now I just do the one uh, message. But we meet at the Hilton Garden Inn. That's at exit 462 in Duncanville off of Interstate 20. And Hilton Garden Inn is on the south side of Interstate 20. You can see it from the freeway. You go through the front uh, desk back to to the right of the front desk. And we meet in the Penn Springs room. It's just a little bitty room down the hall on the right. And uh, let me see what else I need to say here. Anyway, visit our website, and uh, I love to hear what God's done in your life. Email me, and I always answer. I delete probably um, at least 100 emails a day, and I'm probably you do too, but the personal messages I always answer. And so um, if I can help you, be sure to email me. And um, the next Duncanville meeting is May the the 4th, 2019, and I'll be in – Pennsylvania, September the 27th to the 29th, and that contact number, I just gave it to Greg, but I'll give it again. It's 717-350-1506, and uh, it's called Let Freedom Ring, and the the man that's heading it up is Bill Wilson, and I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, um, the 18th to the 21st, 2019, uh, and that's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I encourage you to come to camp. We have prayer teams that pray for people every morning if you need deliverance. I don't know of any place in America where you can get greater deliverance. The prayer team is just are people made up of people that love Jesus with their whole heart. There's many places you go and you can actually get demons by people laying hands on you, but these people here are sold out. Uh, to Jesus 
And so I hope you'll listen again um, on the first and the third Tuesdays of each month. I'm also on Omega Man Radio the second and the fourth Tuesdays of the month. And you can go to omegaman.com and um, see his schedule, see the schedule. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you'll listen again. And may the God bless you, and the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you more peace.